0: And this is the Holy Gospel according to St. Mark, the fourth chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. When evening had come, Jesus said to the disciples, Let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd behind, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was. Other boats were with them. A great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat, so that the boat was already being swamped. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion, is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. The assembly may be seated. Grace and peace to you from God, our Creator, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. We all have one of those harrowing storm stories. That event that sticks in our minds because of it was such a visceral experience, right? And they come in so many different shapes and sizes, right? Sometimes it can be a snowstorm, right? Like snowpocalypse of 2011. Or that snowstorm in 67, my dad still can't let go. Like, get over it. It was a while ago, right? But we have those stories and we hold on to them. Or the derecho Show of last year in Villa Park, where we had a tornado touchdown just in our own backyard. And that last one actually has left a pretty lasting impact on my sons. Now, whenever it's starting to get dark out, we have to have a discussion that, no, this isn't a tornado. As Henry, our oldest, loudly proclaims, I'm going to go check the radar to make sure. Right? And he marches into his room and gets out his little Chromebook and just wants to verify that things check out. Right? And that's the thing meteorology, our phones, our computers, have made it such that we have demystified storms in so many ways. We've demythologized storms. And that's what's interesting because today in our gospel, there is a storm of mythological proportions so important that our gospel writers couldn't help but include it in their story. And while the storm itself is memorable, and while the storm itself is perhaps the part we will take with us, I don't think the story is about the storm. The story is instead about faith. It's a story about fear. It's a story about discipleship. You see, these these disciples, these hardened fishermen who've been in these situations before, find themselves running into a storm and they don't know what to do. And so they do the only thing they can come up with, and they run to Jesus. They run to Jesus and they say to him, do you not care that we are perishing? All right, well, if it was me, if I was Jesus, I wouldn't be thrilled being woken up by those kinds of words. seems a bit judgy to me. Certainly words filled with anxiety and fear. These men are afraid for their lives. They are fearful as Jesus snoozes silently in the boat. Jesus gets up and he goes and he rebukes the wind just as he rebuked demons not too long ago and he speaks words of peace and calm into the storm. And then our Gospel writer says, there was a dead calm. That's good writing right there. A dead calm. You Kind of picture it in your mind because these men really thought that they were going to be dead themselves and now instead we have a dead calm. which jesus breaks the silence by saying why are you afraid have you still no faith those words kind of have that little bit of a of a cut to them too just like the disciples did and when i hear these words i cannot help but think of the experience that all of us have had at one time or another if you've been around small children That moment where in the middle of the night you hear a voice crying out for help. And you go into the darkened room and you find a child sitting up in their bed, tears streaming down their eyes, afraid. Scared of something they heard or something they thought they saw or just something. And Indeed, when we find ourselves in that moment, I'm sure we all have said the same exact thing. There's nothing to be afraid of. And that is a lie. There are things to be afraid of. It may not be a monster under your bed, but let me tell you something. There are things worth being afraid of in this world. There are plenty of fear-inducing things. And I know, I know what you're thinking. I'm splitting hairs right now. But hear me out. right? There is a distinguished difference between There's nothing to be afraid of, and do not be afraid. Because do not be afraid opens the door for there to be fear-inducing things to exist. And we don't have to look far in our lives or in the world in which we find ourselves to see, to experience those fear-inducing things. We do it on a daily basis. Realities like illness and and job loss and, and isolation Uh, and, 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 And natural disasters and failure and death itself are realities that confront us and those we love on a daily basis. And each and every one of these things justifiably cause fear and trepidation within us. But at the center of our faith, at the center of our faith is that reminder that those things, those fear-inducing things, do not have the last say. Instead, it is God who has the last say. The very God that was able to calm a storm and create peace with a few words. Who called existence into perfect order out of chaos with a few words. Indeed, the God who raises Christ from the dead. And this do not be afraid phrase, you may recall, has a rich history within scripture. In many ways, it bookends our gospels. At the very beginning of the story, as those shepherds were keeping a watch over their flock by night, and all of a sudden the angelic visitors show up, what is the first thing they say? Do not be afraid. And then at the very end of the gospel, Jesus has died. The women go to the tomb, and they find it empty. The angel is sitting there, and what does the angel say? Do not be afraid. I think that's so powerful for us to hear over and over. It's not that these fearsome things don't exist. It's that in the midst of these fearsome things, we must recognize that we are not alone, that God is with us. Emmanuel, God with us is there. And for that reason, these fear-filled things must not cause fear in us. And I think the most amazing part of this gospel is how faith conquers fear. Now, not for the disciples. They're awful, right? Like, they never have their fear conquered, right? It's not like all of a sudden, you know, Peter stands up and he's like, I have courage suddenly because Jesus is here. It's not like they dug deep down and found something they didn't know they had inside of themselves suddenly. That's not the case, right? Who conquers fear here? It's Jesus. It's Christ. It's God who conquers fear on their behalf. Jesus, you see, is that calming presence in their midst, who's able to speak peace into existence to calm not just the storm, but to calm the disciples themselves. And therefore, as disciples, we need to make that transition in the way that we understand our God, that we need to let go of that worldview that because God exists, there's nothing to be afraid of. That's not true. That is not true. Instead, instead, we need to listen and hear the truth that we do not need to be afraid because God is here in the midst of life's fear-filled moments, in the midst of life's storms. Because these fear-filled things do not need to paralyze us. They don't need to hold us back. They don't need to control our lives because we are not alone in our lives, because God is ever-present with us and speaks words of calm and peace into life's storms. And I think that's especially powerful this day, as we celebrate Juneteenth, as we celebrate Pride Month, as we celebrate people and cultures who have lived in fear for so long, that we hear these words of reassurance, not because the hatred suddenly is gone because God is here, but because God is present even in the worst that this world has to offer and that that God liberates us from our fear, with those simple words, do not be afraid. Thanks be to God for that calm and that peace this day and always. Amen.